0: living. I think that's a misprint. Thank, no, no, maybe it's not. Instead of Thanksgiving, thanks living. Thanksgiving is a day, right? And that day's coming up. So we decided to do the Thanksgiving message before instead of after. It depends on how, how it times out when Thanksgiving comes. But after Thanksgiving, we're, we're, we're running out of time for Christmas and we have our Advent messages. So we're doing Thanksgiving this week. And I titled the message, Thanks Living. Thanksgiving is a day. Thanks living is a way. You're going to see how this all ties in. But the subheading for Thanksgiving Living is The Tears of Rachel. This is, this is really this is deep, but it's neat. And I think you're going to see something very special this year under this title. Home for the Holidays is the title of the message. If you're going to your scriptures, they'll also be on the screen. You can go to Jeremiah the prophet, chapter 31. You might remember Jeremiah's chapters, the way they're broken down. But 30 to 39, they're really, there's a messianic thrust deeply in those chapters, and you're going to see it again here. We're in Jeremiah 31, 10 to 12, 15 to 17. Let's go back to the phrase, home for the holidays. Do you know that the, the number one travel day of the year, do you know what that day is? It's Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. And the second busiest travel day is the Sunday after. Do you know why? More people go home for Thanksgiving than any other time of the year. More people make excuses not for going home. Let me say a few things about this this heading. This is important. The phrase, Home for the Holidays, is freighted. Deeply freighted with good and bad associations. Real and imagined memories. Cultural nostalgia for Norman Rockwell's roasted turkeys. And Hallmark's Home for the Holidays feel-good specials. Yet often the season is a time when existing emotional tensions that have simmered for years, come to the surface. It's the best of times, it's the worst of times. But home for the holidays is something real. But we're going to see something in this passage that's going to remind us that no matter how good things have ever been, you've never truly been home. Home is still beyond our reach, and this passage is going to tell us about our true home and about the way back to that true home. And it's appropriate that we do this at this time when so many are traveling home for the holidays. You might remember in the tears of Rachel. Rachel was the wife of Jacob, the sister of Leah, the daughter of Laban. And she represents all of the mothers who have wept for God's children. Remember Jacob, the grandson of Abraham? She fathered only two children, Joseph and Benjamin. Combined, the two of them represent all of Israel. And in three places in the Scriptures. In Genesis, Jeremiah, and Matthew, we read of the tears of Rachel. Ready? Let's take a look at the passage. Hear now the word of God. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will ransom Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the oil, the young of the flocks and the herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then down to verse 15. This is what the Lord says, a voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. This is what the Lord says, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And may God at his rich blessing do as inspired and errant infallible word. Pray with me. Father, it's no accident we're here today. Everyone by divine appointment in their assigned seats, even if they move. Speak now through this broken vessel, and speak only your words from this pulpit. The Bible is one word from one God to one world, all of it a single strand of truth that runs through it, your unfolding plan of redemption that finds its fulfillment in our Lord Jesus Christ. Make it a word of salvation for the unsaved, comfort for those in storm winds, and rest for the tired, weary, and heavy-laden. All things to all people. That all within the sound of my voice would be in a saving relationship this day with Christ. Give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts that beat for nothing smaller than the Lord Jesus Christ come now, fount of every blessing. Unclutter our minds and unburden our hearts that we might see Jesus in him only. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Okay, for those of you who think every sermon has three points, not in your heads. Not today. It's only two. Ready? Let me show you the two. They don't always have to have three. Maybe I couldn't think of a third. I don't know. But I got two for you. Number one, home for the holidays. Our longing for home, and I submit to you it's universal. That's not just for believers. It's for every single human being who has ever lived. We all have a universal longing for home. And then number two, our way back home. Now, let's talk very briefly and give a little context so that we can be clear. Remember, you have to come to the Scriptures, and you have to understand what the Scriptures mean in, in the original context. Then you have to then work from there and try to figure out what's going on. And theological teachers who have taught me over the years will talk about two horizons, the, the first horizon and the second one. The first horizon, Jeremiah is speaking about what's called a literal, a literal ho- homelessness, right? Israel had been conquered. They were taken captive. And they're they're going into the Babylonian captivity. After 70 years, they had been set free. So this is a literal event in history that has taken place. They were homeless. They were without a home. And they were brought back home. So the modern contemporary reader, or perhaps somebody sitting here today, or by way of the Internet. Remember, we're live streaming, so don't go to sleep. Somebody says today, so what? What does that have to say to me all these years later? What difference does that make in my life today? And I submit to you it makes all the difference in the world. In understanding that what happened to the people of God, Israel then, in being scattered, being held captive, and then coming back home, was a shadow, just a shadow, of the substance of the promise of the gospel and what was going to happen through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, A little more background on the cultural context today so that we can understand this message at the deepest level. Let me make something perfectly clear. The deep thinkers, the existentialists, did not, over the, over the centuries, they did not invent alienation inspiration in Scripture instructs us in Genesis 3 that every single person has been alienated from God, from each other, from nature, from our very selves. We are all alienated. You have the only worldview that speaks into the reality of the world in which you live in. And that was preserved for us through the writings of some of the greats, St. Augustine and Blaise Pascal and Kierkegaard. But you have many of these these existential atheists who have been writing about this particular problem on alienation. And they said that you cannot understand the human condition apart from the concept of alienation. That we all sense that we are alienated from something that we can't really put our finger on. But we know that there's something missing. So when I'm speaking to a skeptical unbeliever, and they say to me, that very thing that, that I just, I don't sense that, 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 that I'm, I'm connected to, to, to what I should be connected to. And so I say to them, so you believe that the universe is a product of time plus matter plus chance. And you believe yourself is a product of time plus matter plus chance. Why do you feel alienated? What's wrong? A fish in the water doesn't feel alienated from the water. Say, I feel wet. You fall in the water, you feel wet. You go, out and belong here because you don't belong in the water but if you're just a materialistic being and this is just a material world why don't you fit? you don't fit because you're not just a material being you're an image bearer of God and this is not a material world just a material world that's the key in understanding what's going on inside the heart of every single human who has ever lived and you have you have the story that makes sense you, you have an understanding that everyone is an image bearer of God. You have an understanding of the story from the beginning to the end. You know what happened and what went wrong. You know why we all feel alienated and you know why home for the holidays means so much more than just simply going home for the holidays to our earthly residents. Their position could be summarized this way. They want to cure people of the misunderstanding that promotes a sense of alienation. The great... Swiss theologian Karl Barth. Let me give you a quote from him. These, these deep atheistic thinkers say that the problem with your alienation, so I can summarize it, is that you just misunderstand what's going on. You need more knowledge, you need a greater understanding, and then you'll see how you actually do fit and, 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 and where your thinking is wrong. Barth, notice what he says. Our attempts, because everyone is attempting to reach whatever God means to them. Our attempt at reaching God, to do what only God can do, are little more than towers of Babel. Created to be toppled. Now here's here's where he really lays it out for us. We must allow, everyone is filled with despair. We have moments of utter despair. We must allow despair to lead us to the precipice. Then close our eyes and jump beyond knowledge. Into what? The theological hold. You you know what the theological hold is? You know what theology is? study of God? So what is Barth saying? Your problem isn't a misunderstanding, a lack of knowledge. You need to get back to God. That's your problem. That's why you sense alienation. You're alienated from God. And no matter what you do in this world, no matter what you do, no matter how you try to anesthetize yourself, no matter how much you you drink and eat and party, no matter what you do, you will always, always feel alienated until you jump inside that theological hold. And get reconnected again with the God who created you for him to live in his strength and for his glory. Okay? Ready? Going to head out into some deep water. Let our nets down for a catch. Home for the holidays, number one. What's our longing for home? Let's go back to the passage, Jeremiah 31.10. And I decided this year, remember we've talked about the, the ten lepers and, 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 and we've preached messages on attitude, of gratitude, and all those things. I just wanted to go in a different direction. More people travel home for, for Thanksgiving than any other time of the year. So let's talk about what that really, the implications of that. And what our true home really is. Ready? Hear the word of the Lord, Jeremiah says. He who scattered Israel will gather them and watch over his flock like a shepherd. What did he scatter them from? Home. They had a literal home. So we're talking about a literal exile and alienation of the people of God that were scattered. Okay? So let's keep going. What's the deeper message? Genesis 2.8. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So now... Now you've come to the deeper understanding of why everyone feels alienated. Why? You have a collective me- you have an individual personal memory of, of home for the holidays, yes? We all have memories of our home for the home. We'll talk more about it in a moment. But we have a collective memory, all of humanity, for a home that we've lost. And, and what is that home? It's that home was in the garden. Take a look. God made us for a home in the garden. And he planted us there. So we lived in a home that we were created. The home was created for us. We walked with God in the cool of the day. We lived before the face of God. We were at home. We were not alienated. We, We did not feel disconnected. Everything worked. The psalmist puts it this way. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. Home is where? Where God is. So even the home you remember, no matter how great that home may have been, no no matter what it was, you still were never home. Then something went wrong. So all of humanity is created for home, then something went wrong. This is part of your story that makes sense when you explain it to unbelievers. What went wrong? Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go to verse 23 and get right to the very end because one of the great challenges when you're dealing with unbelieving skeptics who talk to you and they tell us we no longer have a shared language and you talk about sin and you talk about this, that, that doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Take a look at Genesis 3.23. The Lord God banished, he banished them from the Garden of Eden. Okay, so if you want to define sin in a way for the unbelieving skeptic when you're sharing Jesus, you want to give it to them in a way they understand it, use the word banished. Why is that a very simple word to use? Because they can associate that to everything that goes wrong in this world. Think about the last time that you sinned. Whatever it was, whatever you did, did you not create distance between you and whoever you sinned against? Did you steal something from someone? Haven't you banished yourself? Haven't you separated yourself? Haven't you alienated yourself? Think about all of the things that we do. So a very simple definition of sin is what? Exile. Everyone lives east of Eden, and yet there's a collective memory in the mind somewhere of every human being who has ever lived This place is not my home There's a home that I was meant for that I have never ever experienced Because we have been banished Sin drove us out of the garden But then there's these promises in the Old Testament Remember, what's the very first promise? What's the very first gospel promise? Genesis 3.15. Before they're banished, what's the promise? The seed of the woman, and women have no seed. The seed of the woman will come and crush the head of the serpent. And then all of the Old Testament, God's unfolding plan of redemption shows us promise after promise after promise about this seed and what will ultimately happen for God's people. Let's just look at two. Ezekiel thirty six twenty four 24, and 35. You Ready? I will gather you, thus saith the Lord, from all the nations and bring you back into your own land. They will say, "Now listen to this. This is deep. This land was laid waste, which this land that was laid waste has become like the garden of Eden. What's going on? You have to ask why? What is that in there for? That's the collective memory of all of humanity. Your true home was in the garden, and it's been lost. Parrot Milton was right. Paradise has been lost." But God makes this promise that it's coming back. And the land's not just going to be restored. I'm not going to just restore the land for the years the locusts have eaten. We're going to make it like a garden of Eden. Then we're going to put the whole thing together with Isaiah. And I only pulled up two passages because we don't have enough time. You can study more on your own. You ready for Isaiah 19.25? The Lord will bless them, saying... Blessed be Egypt, my people. Stop. Do you understand what that just said? Was Egypt the people of God? Of course not. Blessed be Assyria, my handiwork. Were they the handiwork of God? Those are the ones that brought God's people into captivity. And Israel, my inheritance. What is God saying? All of humanity is homeless. And all of humanity will one day return home from every tongue tribe and nation you want to understand the human condition that's why they feel alienated why why if this is a material world and you're just a material being why don't you feel at home there's something that is absolutely missing that you deny that you refuse to even begin to acknowledge and no one put it better than C.S. Lewis. And this speaks to every human heart, not just the unbelief. We all have sensed this. I guarantee you that all of us are sensing some of this even now. Lewis in, in, in Mere Christianity, notice what he writes. You ready? And then we'll go to our second point, and we're done. If we find, and we do, ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Was the last time you experienced that? How often do we experience that? Think about the greatest memory that you've ever had for for Thanksgiving. The greatest one. The greatest time that, that your family ever had. It's gone. It's a home you never truly had. You ever go back to a home that you, you maybe you grew up in? A place where you had these memories and you go back and you go, it's not really how I remembered it. Why? The people you remembered there are gone. It's not the way God designed it. There's something that's missing. I get flooded, obviously, during the holidays with lots of different memories and I experience many of them of those that I'm called to minister to. But I have one in particular. It was always at Thanksgiving. Grandma would come to the house. We grew up in Hollywood, and I occasionally drive by. We don't own the home anymore. Someone else is living there making memories, but I'll drive by occasionally. And I picture Grandma sitting at the table, stuffing dates. I hated dates. And I was always forced, Grandma, stuff them. You have to have some. I don't want them. I'd rather eat the peas. I hated the dates. I wish I could have a date. But she's gone. I remember the year mama take t- my mom. She had this funny thing in, in her relationship with God. She took the turkey out of the oven. It slid right off the pan and landed right on the ground. And I happened to be coming around a corner. And I stood right there and she grabbed it by its leg. She picked it up and she kissed she it. You just kiss it to God. It's the 15 second rule. It's still OK. We can eat it. I wish mama was taking the turkey out of the oven. Even the home that I had, it wasn't home. Because it's all gone. So how do we go home for the holidays? How do we do it? Our way back home. You ready? Through the tears of Rachel. You ready for this? Jeremiah 31.11, the Lord will ransom, here's the key, and redeem them from the hand of those who are stronger. What does that mean? Those are also freighted theological terms, and we don't have time to unpack it all. But what does it mean? Want to know what it means? You can't simply return home. You can go back to any earthly home maybe you've had, and if it still exists, you can go back. That it won't be the same, and the people are generally gone. You can, but you cannot return home to God. Why? You must be ransomed. And you must be redeemed. Here's the key in understanding this messianic prophecy that Jeremiah was giving to us: you must be, redeemed. and a ransom is, is somebody, a family member, if you will, who's stepping up to pay a debt on your behalf to, to release you from some kind of bondage. But you can't just go home; you must be ransomed and you must be redeemed. So now, let's take a look at the tears. Verse 15, the Lord says, A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. We have to unpack it very briefly. What is Ramah? Ramah is a staging station. The children of Israel have been conquered, and they're put in chains, and they're marched off to Babylon. Well, this was a place, one of the places where they would stop in Ramah. But something very important would happen here. This is where the families were utterly divided. How would they divide them? They'd take the young men, they'd separate them. So those are the sons that are lost immediately. Those who were too weak, they'd just get rid of those people. And the families were utterly divided and destroyed. They're already a conquered nation. Now they're even conquered even more specifically at Ramah. And Rachel is weeping because her children are no more. On the way to captivity in Babylon. But there's something much deeper. Because Matthew brings this back up. And we'll close with the one in Genesis. Three times we read the tears of Rachel. Why? There's something deep that's going on here that instructs us about coming home for the holidays Matthew 2 He quotes he quotes Jeremiah in the passage but don't miss what comes right before watch an angel appears to Joseph take the child this is the child of promise and his mother and escape what does that mean go into exile You're now to be alienated from the place of your birth. Go into exile. Herod, why? Herod is going to cause the weeping and the tears of Rachel to flow again because her children will be no more. All of the babies, two and under, were slaughtered by Herod. Why? He heard the promised Messiah had come. Oh, don't miss this. Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. He left for Egypt and stayed until Herod's death, fulfilling the prophecy remember this one out of Egypt I called my son so that's fulfilled but now here it is Matthew writes then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled what a voice is heard in Rama weeping in great mourning through the slaughter of the little babies in Jerusalem Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. All of the children slaughtered except one. Which one? The one who fulfills the prophecy. The promised Messiah. The seed of the woman who has come to crush the head of the serpent. Oh, stay with me. His life, his entire existence is marked by exile. From beginning, from beginning as a baby to end, it's marked by exile. He's living the life that we all experience, not just daily, but moment by moment. Matthew eight twenty, Jesus said what? Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but I have no place. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Why? He's living in exile. So now, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Yom Kippur. It's why we have much to say to our Jewish friends. The Day of Atonement. Something incredible takes place, and you have to ask the question, what's this all about? I'm going to show you exactly what it's all about. And you're going to see how beautifully it ties into understanding alienation and exile and what it means to come home for the holidays. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest had two goats. One would be sacrificed for the sin, and the other was called what? The scapegoat and the high priest symbolically, never ever, ever actually, but symbolically taking all of the sins of Israel and lays it on the scapegoat. And then what happens? Watch. The scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord for making atonement by sending it into the will. Exile. Banished. Outside the camp. Well that's cool. So what? What do I have to do with them? And what's that scapegoat have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. Because so I'm going to show you. I'm going to make a stop. though A pit stop at Isaiah first, Chapter 53. The great messianic chapter. Ready? We all like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid... On him the iniquity of us all. And what does the writer of Hebrews tell us? Jesus, the true scapegoat, suffered outside the gate. He was sent outside the camp. He was sent into exile. He was alienated even further for the final time. Outside the gate to make the people holy through his blood. The true scapegoat. Here we do not have an enduring city. You don't have a true home. But we are looking for the city that is to come. Are we not? So how do we close this? We're going to go back to the beginning. In Genesis, the first time we read of Rachel's tears. And then you're going to see Jesus. And then we're going to sing. Rachel began to give birth. Oh my. Jacob... His family was in exile. Jacob was coming home with his family and Rachel. And while she was on the way home, she was giving birth to her last child, Benjamin. The midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. It's a great treasure to have a son. And she breathed her last. She wept for she was dying. Rachel, in her tears, she died in childbirth keep that Luke 19.41 as he approached Jerusalem he saw the city and he wept I only gave you a little portion of that verse you know what else it says in there Jerusalem O Jerusalem how I would have gathered you under my wings as a mother bird he wept the tears of Rachel as the mother of all of his children. And he too died while giving birth to his children. Matthew 27, 50. And when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he gave up the ghost. What do the tears of Rachel have to do with you and I? Everything. 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 Note these final four points. Jesus experienced the greater exile. Jesus suffered the deeper weeping. Jesus became the better Rachel. And Jesus offered the ultimate sacrifice. Why? So we could be brought back to our true home. John in chapter 14, he writes these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place? He's preparing a home for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. And there I am, you will be also. Where is home? Where it was in the beginning. With God. In the presence of our God. And that home has been promised. Through the tears of Rachel. And her death in childbirth. In the tears of Jesus, dying on a cross that we might be born again. And Jeremiah puts the finest point on this far better than I could in the final two verses 16 and 17. They will return from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your future declares the Lord home for the holidays remember that Thanksgiving is a day a single day celebrate this Thursday thanks living is the way the way back to our true home where love will last forever celebrate the way every day What is the deepest desire of the human heart? Not the deepest need. That's forgiveness. What's the deepest desire? You know what it is. And it hurts even more at these times during the year. The deepest desire is for a home that will last, a love that will last. And they don't, they go away. They all go away because they're not our true homes. And it's not our true love. But through the tears of Rachel and the tears of Christ, we understand our way back home. We must be redeemed. We must be ransomed in order to return back to the garden. To the new and better garden, the new heavens and the new earth. Where God has promised you a seat at the table. That's the power of understanding what it costs to bring us home. It's the best of times and it's the worst of times. Hearts are filled with rejoicing and hearts are greatly burdened. Jesus has promised a way home. And with outstretched arms and nail-scarred hands, Jesus has come You are invited to a place at my table. A place that will never go away. A love that will truly last. A home that will never deteriorate. And you will never be banished again. If you've never surrendered to Christ, today as a day of salvation. Come to Christ. By grace through faith, come to Christ. And salvation is yours today. If you've never prayed, pray with me. Stop trusting in your good works. Put your doing down. Trust in the one who wept and died and rose again. That you might have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we always know that there are some in here or by way of the internet who have never prayed to receive Christ. This is a moment of salvation. Give the gift of repentance and faith. Raise them from death to life. Hear my voice right now. All those who have never prayed to receive Jesus. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the truth. The tears of Rachel pointed to the tears of Christ. And the cross. Oh God. May they pray these simple words that the publican prayed in the temple. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And if you prayed that by grace through faith, you can be assured that your home is prepared and waiting for you. And for the rest of us. Help us all to see past the homes we have here to our true home in the new heavens and the new earth where we will finally be in a place. Where love will never be lost, ever again. And we'll be reunited with those who've gone before us. That's the truth of the gospel. In Christ's name, amen. Would you all stand as we continue our worship?